afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, broadcasting today from Orlando, Florida, where I'm going to tell you it is miserably warm. So we're just going to leave it at that as we know it is cold to the north. But we have Commodity Classic getting underway this week. So lots of farmers are headed their way from cold tundras down to Orlando to talk corn, soybeans, wheat, sorghum, and a whole lot more. And of course, on their minds today, especially if they're traveling and looking at these markets, was the downturn that we saw in the grains, especially what we saw in the double-digit drops in the soybeans. And according to our guest today, it's we can blame Federal Reserve a lot of what's been happening today. So we got lots to talk about bringing Arlen Suderman in. Arlen is with Stonex, bringing him in a day early because he as well will be traveling to Commodity Classics. So Federal Reserve testimony sure weighed in on these grains today. Yeah, it really did. It weighed on all of the markets. Uh, Jerome Powell, who's chairman of the Federal Reserve, uh, testified. He, he has to testify to Congress twice each year. And so this was the first for 2023. Speaking to the Senate Banking Committee today, tomorrow before the House Financial Services Committee, I anticipate his statements will be very similar then. But Powell was very clear in trying to state that the Federal Reserve is going to have to be more aggressive in trying to tame inflation, um, that it may have slowed the pace of rate hikes too quickly, and that the data coming in since their last meeting may require them to speed up the pace of rate hikes once again, and that those rates are going to have to... going to have to go higher, not only higher than what the market's been anticipating, but higher than even the Fed anticipated and probably stay higher for longer for quite some time. And so the market quickly changed. It had been pricing in expectations of a 25 basis point rate hike when the Fed meets again in two weeks. That went up today now to expectations of a 50 basis point rate hike. Um, And when you look longer term, the market is starting to prepare for the possibility for that benchmark rate that's now at about 4.5% to probe above 6%. And so we're seeing an adjustment in expectations. That created headwinds for the equities and for the commodities. Not really strong headwinds. um, Because the VIX, which is Wall Street's fear index, we've talked about that before on this program, it remained below 20 throughout the day, probing just below 20, but that indicates a rather normal level of fear. Uh, so the market is making an adjustment. And even when you look at the, the hit in the stock market, it did kind of get more as we got later in the day, but uh, generally 1% to 2% losses in the stock market at midday. Um, so some weakness, but we've been lower before, so it didn't take out any old lows or anything like that. But crude oil was down 3 to 4% on the stronger dollar, which really surged higher today, trading to two-month highs. Um, and as we look at uh, yields on, on treasuries, two-year treasury yields trading the highest that they've traded since June of 2007. So um, we're getting into some uncharted territory, near 5% now on the two-year treasuries, 10-year treasuries trading around that 4% level or just below for much of the day. Um, the grain and oil seeds, I think as we go into tomorrow, will focus a little bit more on the WASDE supply and demand report for the crop report from USDA. 
We will get the job openings report, the JOLTS report in the morning. We'll also get the um, uh, ADP private sector monthly jobs report as well. Those could create some more headlines that affect these commodity markets. But barring any big surprises there, I think they really want to focus on those supply and demand fundamentals uh, for the rest of the day. So if we've got these reports coming out tomorrow, our markets reacted like they did today to the feds. Could Wednesday be another topsy-turvy type of day? It really could be. And I, I started out my commentary to our customers yesterday morning saying, I think this week is going to be a week when the markets are really going to be vulnerable to headlines. We've got a lot of data coming out that's going to um, make the markets nervous with Fed pal Jerome Powell testifying twice before Congress. Uh, we got the jobs report at the end of the week. Just a lot of things that can create headlines that affect money managers and how they look at those supply and demand fundamentals. But those supply and demand fundamentals will be a focus in midweek and on Wednesday. Don't expect anything too earth-shaking in the U.S. domestic balance sheets. I think most of the attention is going to be on how far does USDA cut the Argentine corn and soybean crops. That should give us a boost in our corn exports here over the next several months. I don't think it's going to boost our soybean crush as much as what the market anticipates. First of all, we're, we don't have much spare capacity for increasing crush in the United States. Uh, and second of all, Brazil does have a lot of capacity, plus they have a lot of soybeans that they can ship down to Argentina to be crushed. So I don't think it's going to give us, other than an occasional cargo or two, going to do a lot to boost demand for U.S. meal. And the market's been pricing that expectation in. I think they're going to be disappointed. Talking uh, briefly before we wrap this uh, first segment up, what are some of the expectations, first of all, with, with Brazil right now? Uh, with Brazil, the trade's expecting USDA to ratchet their corn and soybean production estimates slightly lower. That's the opposite direction of what our producer survey showed there, which here at the first of the month ratcheted those production estimates a little bit higher. Dry in the south but very high yields as we go into the center west part of Brazil, Mato Grosso and surrounding areas. All right, we'll stick around, folks. We have a lot more coming up as we continue. We'll take another look at what is happening in South America with their crops. We'll also take a look as well as what's going on with La Nina. It's dead. What is that going to mean with the latest models? And, of course, as we get ready for spring planting to continue to move northward, it's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we're here to help you stay one step ahead during the coming growing season. Fontenelle offers personal service and expert advice that comes from knowing local conditions. Agronomic support. We give you the agronomic tools to help you make informed decisions every step of the way. And if you're still making seed decisions, your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer has a good supply of locally proven varieties. Fontenelle, solutions you need, relationships you trust. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We left off as we're talking today with Arlen Suderman with Stonex. We kind of left off with what's going on um, with the markets down in Argentina. What are some of the expectations uh, for Brazil as well? What are you seeing? I mean, harvest is obviously taking place. We've got second crop that's been delayed but is, is continuing to grow. What are some other things that you're kind of looking at in this week that we need to keep on our radar? Well, Brazil continues to see 
excessive rains in some areas. Um, surprisingly so, we're not hearing any widespread pro- reports of crop quality problems yet. We are hearing very good yields in the northern part of Brazil, lower yields in the south. By lower, I mean maybe 30% below trend in the south, but yields in the north at that our people tell me are going to more than make up for those lower yields. It's a much different situation in Argentina uh, where the drought continues to intensify. It's now officially the hottest and driest growing season for Argentina on record. Um, the closest year we could find is probably the 08-09 year when they had soybeans planted on similar area and the crop produced 32 million metric tons. There are some private estimates now that are below 30 million metric tons, but I think we're probably somewhere in that 30 to 32 million metric ton level. At least that's where I'm at for now until we get more data to suggest otherwise. USDA is at 41 and probably going to cut that deficit in half in tomorrow's report. On the corn side, they started off well above 50 million metric tons. They're down to 47 million metric tons. I think they're going to end up closer to 40 million metric tons before they're done. We're still not seeing a lot of signs of let up. There will be a little bit of rain in some southern and western parts of the grain belt here over the next couple of weeks, but overall it's going to remain hot and dry over at least two-thirds of the grain belt in Argentina, so that's going to continue to cut production there. As you indicated, La Nina is basically dying. That does tend to, and I would say it's already dead, when you look at the data, that does tend to improve rain chances in Argentina. But as we know, when you get a drought ingrained into the weather pattern, it's tough to turn around. And that takes a lot of time because the soils are dry. You don't get much evaporation into the air. It's harder to bring enough moisture in to get things turned around. So that's the problem they're facing. Uh, Here in the United States, we are seeing a change in the pattern. Unfortunately, the Plain states are going to be the last to really benefit from that, particularly the Southern Plains is going to stay the driest. It's going to take a while to get the moisture come back here. We are seeing a dramatic improvement in moisture, though, for much of the Midwest, especially east of the Mississippi, but also coming into Iowa and Minnesota, seeing a lot of improvement there as well got a lot of snow up in uh, up in the northern plains and and that snow melt could create some problems and create some planting problems there and i think that the wetness could create some very narrow windows and some problems getting the corn planted in the mid-south here this month as well so looking at uh china they're adding some pressure on to the united states as well how's that going to factor into agriculture yeah we've seen a direct a a very specific change in strategy for China. They have generally um, done a lot of things to compete with the United States and to undercut the United States, but their public stance has been one of let's all get along and peace and, and, you know, and speak nicely. That has really changed over the last two weeks to where basically today one of their top government officials made a statement that says, you in the United States better change your attitude about China or you're going to pay the price. Um, that's not a direct quote, but that's essentially the way it came across. Um, and they have specifically been uh, preparing their people with things that they've published 
um, in their state media here over the last two weeks with significant documents outlining the, the sins of America over the last two years, excuse me, 200 years, and uh, stating that we could have peace in the world if it wasn't for the United States, um, that the problems of the world are because of the United States. Um, so they've really been stepping up their anti-American rhetoric and, as I said, seemingly preparing their people for more conflict. And a lot of that has to do with Taiwan, but a lot of it also has to do with the Ukraine war uh, because they have a vested interest in making sure Russia does not lose that war. And they're worried that the longer that that war drags on, the more that risks that Russia could lose it. And they need Russia as a partner in their battle against the United States and against the West. And so now they're becoming much more involved in supporting Russia in that battle. Lots of things today we looked at, Arlen. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com or over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And, of course, if they're headed to Commodity Classics, swing by and see you on the trade show floor as well. At uh, booth number 2331. All right, that's been today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.